0: Thank you, children. Thank you, Val, for helping share the gospel this day. We have a good word in Jesus Christ, and you have ears for this word. The Holy Spirit has seen fit, and you also have mouths for this word to share it with others. So we're glad that you're here and glad that we can share in God's word together. Let us pray. Lord, sanctify us in your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Well, indeed, in a world full of claims about what is true and what is not, in a world full of claims about what is glorious and what is not, God gives you the truth in his word, in Christ Jesus himself. And in him, in Christ, you are sanctified. Of course, to be sanctified means to be made holy, to be made righteous to be made perfect. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit for you. So on this, the seventh Sunday in the season of Easter, on the, on the heels of Ascension Day this past Thursday and anticipating the day of Pentecost in the church year, that's next Sunday, I now tell you of the work of the Holy Spirit who sanctifies you, who makes you holy as you hear God's word and receive the sacraments. And so now you have the whole truth that you have sinned. That is, that you have not trusted God with your whole heart or loved your neighbors as yourselves. You have not. And I suppose it might seem annoying to keep being reminded of this. Yet this is the truth. It is God's word working on you. And there is no forgiveness necessary where there is no sin. So these things cannot be just ignored. But Christ came with authority to give eternal life, which is to take away the sins of the world. And so in him your sins are forgiven. And so now you have grace and mercy. Now you have the truth through God our Father and his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Though we did worship on Ascension Day this past Thursday, seems like a long time ago, I had to double check. We did have a service here Thursday evening. We still get some of the reverberations of Jesus' ascension in our readings today. So we get a little flavor of Jesus ascending to heaven. In Acts chapter 1, the disciples want to know when this old world would end and when the new kingdom would begin. And I suppose that's the question many of us would like to know. Maybe not in those words exactly, but what will tomorrow bring? And how can I be prepared for it? Now, I didn't think much about the notion of time travel or the, the future, I suppose, until I watched Back to the Future for the first time as a kid in the 80s. You may remember these movies. The first one, In the first one, Marty McFly travels back from 1985 to 1955 in Doc Brown's DeLorean. And things are a little messed up in 1955. He has to correct them, and uh, the future goes on uh, quite well after that. Uh, In the second movie, I don't know if you've seen the second one, uh, but in the second movie, Marty McFly and Doc Brown travel from 1985 into the future to, does anybody remember the year? 2015, I heard it. That's right, 2015 into the future. Well, not the future for us anymore. But they find the future in shambles, and they have to fix things again. And on their way back, Marty McFly buys the sports almanac with all of the results of sporting games up to 2015. And he's going to bring it back to 1985 and make a fortune betting on sports. And I, it occurred to me when I watched this for the first time, that is a great idea. <laughs> that is so smart. But Doc Brown talks him out of this, and Marty throws it in the, in the garbage. He says, no, you're going to mess things up. Don't do this. He throws it in the garbage. And wouldn't you know it, that the uh, Biff uh, is there. And he grabs this sports almanac. And he's heard what they're talking about. And somehow he gets this sports almanac to be sent back to his 1955 self. Are you following the story? (laughs) And he ends up making a fortune. And when Marty and Doc Brown get back to 1985, 1985 is all messed up. Biff is the mayor, not a great mayor. He's turned the courthouse into a casino. And well, the movie continues, and they have to fix this as well. But what a great idea. What a great idea to have a sports almanac telling about what's going to happen in the future. This is what the disciples want to know, isn't it? When will the kingdom be restored? What will tomorrow bring? I can tell you that uh, Aaron and I, as we've closed on a house, now we're wondering about interest rates, and I'd love to know what the interest rates will do in the next couple of weeks. You may not be worried about interest rates yourselves, but you might be wondering what will happen to the federal debt ceiling. Will it ever be fixed? There are all sorts of questions that the disciples and we may have about the future. But Jesus says this to the disciples, and now to us. He says, it is not for you to know, the time or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. At this point in Acts, Jesus ascends into heaven, and the disciples are left there in Bethany looking in the sky. And Luke tells us that a couple of angels show up and say, why are you looking in the sky? Jesus will come back the way you have seen him go. And we'll hear the rest of that story next week. But today we have this word, this truth, that when the disciples want to be given what they think will be a comfort for them or an advantage by knowing what will happen in the future, and don't all of us want such an advantage, we look for these things. Jesus instead gives them the promise of the Holy Spirit and the authority to preach God's word to the world. That is Jesus' answer. And the fruit of this word, that Christ died and was raised to take away your sins, is that you have peace and joy in the midst of suffering. Where the disciples and you and I and Marty McFly and Biff want an advantage in this old world, Jesus gives peace and joy in the midst of the present, in the midst of suffering. Now, you might think this sounds a little hard to market. That's because God does not market this, but he gives it to you now through his word of truth. So we hear Peter preaching once again. He says... Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. Peter says, if you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory, which is the spirit of God, is resting on you. Now, Peter goes on to say that the devil is out there prowling like a hungry lion, running around this old world, tempting you to make your own way outside of Jesus Christ. Yet, he says, you can cast all your anxiety on Christ, who will restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. And so it is. And here in in this word of Jesus Christ is truth. And the fruit of this truth is joy and unity. But maybe not the way we expect it to look. A couple of weeks ago, I had the pleasure of attending the last South Dakota Symphony concert of the season. And the second half of the program was Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. And what a performance it was, and what a treat to have such a fine orchestra just across the street Now, the Ninth Symphony is a favorite of mine. When I was a child, and not watching Back to the Future, I was listening to the Ninth Symphony. Can you believe this? My mom actually had a tape cassette of the London Symphony Orchestra playing Beethoven's Ninth, and I listened to it often. I fell in love with Beethoven, and I listened to it so many times that when I hear it today, I still expect a wavering sound of a worn-out cassette tape to show up in the performance. Now, the whole symphony, of course, is a masterpiece. But the last movement is where all the tensions of the symphony let loose. It is the familiar ode to joy. A couple of weeks ago, the symphony, our symphony, was up to the challenge. And the massive choir that comes out during the last, during the last part of the symphony, the last movement, was made up of high school students and from, from Sioux Falls and the symphony chorale. And they did not disappoint. The Ode to Joy is based on a poem by Friedrich Schiller that sings of joy, hope, and unity. It's a great moment musically, but now I have to say as your preacher that this poem does not know of Jesus Christ. It does not know of true, lasting unity. It does not know that this only comes through Christ himself. So now, as Paul did at the Areopagus, we heard this last week, As Jesus does in our Gospel now, I now make known to you God's name so that you may know true glory and true unity. And now that you may be glad, as Peter says, and shout for joy now that the glory of Christ is revealed. It is true that we look for unity in this old world, and we often try to force it by the law It might look like uniformity of thought, or uniformity of speech, or uniformity of dress. But now in Christ you have unity, not by the law, but by the freedom of the gospel. You have true unity now, not because of what you wear, or think, or say, but because Christ has made God's name known to you in faith. And this is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now you have joy, peace, and unity, the glory of the Father, because Christ died and was raised for you so that you could receive his benefits in baptism and shortly in the Lord's Supper, and so that you may know that your sins are forgiven. Now, I'll tell you, this is better than a sports almanac from the future, though if you do find one in the garbage, you uh, let me know. But this gospel is better than knowing what the interest rates will be next week, It's better than knowing if the national debt ceiling ever gets figured out. You have a word now that is better than all of those things. It is that Jesus has taken captivity captive. He suffered and died for you on the cross. And he was raised from the dead so that death now itself is defeated. So whatever suffering you are undergoing today, you now know the truth. And now you may shout for joy. And take courage, for Christ has already conquered the world for you. Happy Easter and amen.